This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Hey there, Knicks fans! Happy uh, Happy Monday! So, uh, well, looking out my window, it was raining a little bit before, but it's otherwise a pretty nice day. Nice day to start the week. Free agency week. Um, the uh, craziest, generally speaking, craziest week of the NBA calendar. Um, and I don't expect this week to be any exception. I mean, um, I was writing this. Uh, today's newsletter and I was kind of trying to you know I was writing the intro and um, I was like you know just going thinking about the trades that have already taken place over over the last few weeks I'm like there's already been like a bunch of really big time players traded um, and we're not and that doesn't always happen this early in the cycle I mean between Jordan Poole and Chris Paul and Christoph Porzingis and Marcus Smart and and uh, Bradley Beal, like it's a lot of movement. Um, it's it's a lot of movement. A lot of a lot of established teams making big moves already. Um, I think probably the most significant, I don't say news, but significant piece that dropped this morning was from Sam, Sam Amick of the Athletic. I was just skimming that before, um, and it basically goes through. I think. What most people would agree at this point are the top two dominoes um, of the next week, uh, of the next several days, whatever you want to call it, which are in... I, you could put these in either order, one, one, two, two, one, whatever. But Damian Lillard and um, James Harden, because it would seem that those... Uh, the decisions regarding those players, I was about to say the decisions those players make, but in the case of Damian Lillard, at least it's not, it's not entirely up to him. Um, Like they will have a lot of dominoes that will fall um, as a result of what they may or, or may not do. So with Dame at this point, seems like it's either stay in Portland or, or go to Miami. And if he stays in Portland, like, how aggressive might they try to get in other in other ways? You got the Jeremy Grant piece sitting there. He's about to enter unrestricted free agency, looking for a thirty million dollar a year contract. Who might give that money to him if it's not Portland? If Portland does trade Dame, like are they still going to want to bring Jeremy Grant back? Are they going to do a sign and trade? And then, you know, there's domino effects upon domino effects. You know, if Dame doesn't get traded to Miami, does Miami look to do something else elsewhere? Because you know Pat Riley is never one to necessarily sit tight. And then with Harden, it's like, well, if he just leaves, like had been assumed, and then more recently wasn't assumed, and now we're kind of wondering if we should rethink our secondary assumption. Uh, what does that mean for Joel Embiid? What does that mean for the Philadelphia 76ers? Um, you know, and and also what does it mean for the rest of the free agent marketplace? If he stays in Philly, 
because the team with the most money out there to spend, the Houston Rockets, six, they have 60 plus million dollars in, in cap space to spend. Um, now, all of a sudden, if they're not spending, you know, whatever, 40 million of that 60 plus million on, on James Harden, well, are they looking to spend it elsewhere in the marketplace? The interesting thing about all of this that I, that I just went through is that unlike, I would say, many other years uh, in you know recent to slightly more than recent memory, the main dominoes, and even if you want to go through some other big dominoes, like the Chris Middleton thing with Milwaukee, which obviously that may in and of itself be tied to the Harden thing with Houston. Like, There's a lot of interconnected stuff going on here. Brooke Lopez, you want to throw Brooke Lopez in there. Also, you know, is it Houston? Is it Sacramento? And then you get into the whole Draymond thing with the Kings and all that. None of this stuff, unless I'm, I mean, look, crazy stuff happens. If there's one rule in the NBA, it's to expect the unexpected. But unless I'm just wildly in the dark, which is, again, certainly possible. I don't think any of these interconnected webs, I, I don't even know if the offshoots of those webs, I don't know if that analogy makes sense, but just go with it, uh, really impact the Knicks all that much, if at all. Um, you know, there's been, I think, some speculation about like, other than Portland and Miami, or sorry, other than Miami and, and Brooklyn, could a could another Dame team emerge? You know, people always tend to bring up the Knicks whenever a superstar potentially becomes available on the trade market. I, I've thought about this a lot. We've talked about it a lot. Maybe if somebody wants to talk about it more today, I, I don't see it right now for a variety of reasons. Um, so there's that. I mean, you want to tell me, you know, maybe there's a possibility that Dame could end up with the Clippers and then George, you know, and, and then there's a tree with three way trade involving us. Okay. Maybe it's possible, but it feels like the Knicks right now are kind of exist to some extent in their own ecosystem, starting with the fact that they, the, the one free agent that nobody seems to think is going anywhere. It's almost universally agreed upon at this point. I know Timmy Bontemps, uh, who I was on with uh, Ian and on the putback last week spoke on on the Hoop Collective Pod this morning. Like he, he doesn't think Josh Hart's going anywhere, uh, but he is curious as to is he going to opt in and give the Knicks a little bit more immediate financial flexibility, or is he going to opt out? And you know, Jeremy and I went through this all on the pod today. So if you want more info on that, just listen to that podcast. I'm not going to rehash it now, but like it is interesting how even the Knicks' biggest domino is like almost like a self contained thing um i guess in terms of like starting the week the biggest question in my head or the biggest uncertainty the biggest curiosity in my head is it at the very least at this point based on the available reporting and then I mean, to some extent, based on common sense, because like NBA teams rarely let assets go unused or go to waste. And that's if you didn't listen to the whole pod with Jeremy and I, I kind of ended it by saying their mid-level exception is $12.4 million. That is an asset. I know it's not an asset that is currently attached to a player, but just in a free agent marketplace where there are limited dollars 
And if you want to go a step further, there are really limited dollars when it comes to teams that were competitive last year. I mean, if you just look at the league and you look at the play, then you look at the four teams that made it to the second round of the playoffs last year, Milwaukee, Boston, or sorry, excuse me, Miami, Freudian slip, Miami, Boston, uh, Philadelphia, New York, and then over in the West, uh, Denver, the Warriors, the Lakers, um, and then the and then the Suns. Other than the Lakers, there's only one of those teams that has as much as the Knicks have to spend in terms of again this this mid level, and that's the Lakers. And the Lakers kind of have a whole bunch of their own guys to concern that, that are their concern would bring them back. So they're not really viewed as a as a you know a, a destination for you know someone like a Dante Divincenzo. So. The fact that the Knicks are maybe, you could argue at least, that they are the best team, other again, putting aside the Lakers, that has access to uh, you know, a, a salary slot over $10 million, I think that that's meaningful. And I think that's why there are signs pointing to the fact they maybe think that they, that they could get Dante DiVincenzo and that DiVincenzo may, may want to you know, come here. But it sets up this kind of then guessing game is to, okay, so if they sign Dante DiVincenzo for $12 million, obviously $12 million, you're not going to spend $12 million on someone unless you think they're going to play significant minutes. Dante DiVincenzo is coming off a season for the Warriors in which he, I think he averaged, I don't know exactly what it was, 25, 26, 27 minutes. Like he's entering the prime of his career. That dude wants to play. Um, if not starters minutes, like close to starters minutes, he wants to be at worst, like a seventh man. Sixth, seventh man somewhere. So the Knicks just showed you last year they really like this nine man rotation. I don't based again, based on the available reporting, I know we've all spitballed, oh, like you go to a 10 man rotation, and maybe that's something they do temporarily, but like something about that doesn't pass the smell test that they're automatically gonna go to a 10 man rotation. So if they go out and they get DiVincenzo, what does that mean? Does it mean that they have a consolidation trade lined up where they're sending out two current Wing players, most likely, because um, not Divincenzo is a wing to bring in another wing, and but then you run into dead ends because it's like, okay, who's the wing they're bringing in? You get into these like big names, and there's all kinds of issues with all of these names. And again, we've been t- talking about it a lot. I don't need to rehash. Um, so that's kind of a, maybe a dead end, or not a dead end, but like, okay, that doesn't pass the smell test. Okay, you trade Ob for a future pick or someone who's more of a nominal backup four, but doesn't really need to play. And if he doesn't need to play, do you really feel good about that trade? If you're the Knicks, you're going to have someone that's like half in the rotation, half out of the rotation. That's not really something they do either. Which, and again, if it was someone who was more out of the rotation than in, but it's more of a nominal four, well, okay, then you go in RJ Barrett or Josh Hart, basically full-time as your backup four. I mean, I'd kind of love that. But again, I'm not quite sure if it passes the Pass the smell test for me. So, or, and then there's option three, which I don't know, maybe it's the most likely option, which is they just don't spend this money. But again, that doesn't pass the smell test because the Knicks, if nothing else, if nothing else over the course of the, the Leon Rose regime and by extension, the Brock Aller era, they don't waste assets. They don't let, they don't let asset opportunities, shall we say, go to waste. And then 
you know, hovering over all of this is the fact that you look at next year's draft and they are slated to have um, four picks in all likelihood, their pick, the Dallas first round pick, and then two or probably two early second round picks. That's going to be four draft picks that might be between the 20th and 40th pick on the draft. Well, again, we've we've seen other teams be in this, this position before, a couple of them in this draft where you're not getting necessarily the best value if you try to consolidate those. And then you, we've seen the Knicks be in this position when they made a trade that like I the whole everybody kills the Cam Reddish acquisition. The Cam Reddish acquisition was not the original sin. The original sin was getting to a point where you had the 19th and 21st pick in a draft where you did not want to use two picks in that range. So that was the one time you could argue that they were kind of pressed up against the wall and they didn't make a great deal. Might they have learned their lesson? I'm not saying they needed to learn the lesson, but like, might they have taken note of how that situation unfolded? And now a year ahead of a draft where they might have four picks in this like kind of 20 pick range, be looking to get out ahead of this and like, okay, can we package one or multiple of those, of those picks with, something, you know, whether it's an Obi Toppin or whatever to try to do something there. But again, that that doesn't necessarily answer any of the questions that I just spattered off before. So for as much as the Knicks are not connected to any of the big stuff, for as much as we don't at this point, it doesn't seem like there's a superstar or even a star trade on the uh, on the immediate horizon. There is a lot of uncertainty for me as to what is going to unfold in the next, uh, whatever it is, uh, 76 hours, 77 hours, 78 hours, whatever, or whereabouts. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award regardless of the severity of your injury and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212 212- 366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. 
B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Um, I imagine we have some, some questions. I will be on here for about the next half hour. I'm going to try to get through as many as I can. So without further ado, we got one start us off from Drew P. Of all this, and this is right off the bat, kind of what I was talking about. Of all the scenarios that could happen this offseason, do you think losing Obi and getting Dante is the most likely outcome with no other changes to the rotation? Also, will Taj get the vet minimum here? Um, I had the Taj Gibson thing had not even crossed my mind. Um, I suppose Taj could um, be back. I think that's probably like a day 12 thing as opposed to a day five or day two or day one thing. Um, certainly possible, though. As far as do I think in a in a vacuum, without considering all of the offshoots and, and like I just went through, there's a lot of offshoots. Do I think the most likely scenario is we lose Obi and we pick up Dot David DiVincenzo? Yes. I think it's the most likely. And yet I don't think I would put like a fiftieth percent, a fifty percent outcome, or even maybe like a thirty-five percent outcome on that, because again, that presupposes that they're going to roll with a re- like a smaller than usual backup unit with a cent- with I mean, I guess Josh Hart at the four. I know Tibbs talked about that they're comfortable with that, and they they may be comfortable with that. I, again, that's it's kind of at this point what I'm rooting for, because like if you think about what that would look like, IQ. DiVincenzo, um, Hart, and RJ, or RJ and Hart, in whichever order you want, with Hartenstein. Man, that's a that's a fun freaking that's a fun and skilled backup group. And you want to talk about a backup group that is really versatile defensively between I mean you're I mean, putting aside Hartenstein, like RJ is your worst defender in that backup unit. You know, so that's that's kind of cool. That's exciting. Um, yeah, I do think that's the most likely outcome. And it, it, for me, it would show me that the Knicks are perhaps a little bit more thinking a little bit more creatively than I'm probably giving them credit for. But yeah, I would say so. I think it's true. Slay from Florida. Hey, John, not a huge fan of getting Cat, but if New York does get him to play the five with Randall here here is it possible they would target someone like OG to play small forward with Grimes to insulate the other subpar areas okay um for one uh John Krasinski who does who's as good a beat reporter for uh, putting up putting aside Nick beat reporters John Krasinski is as good a beat reporter as there is in the NBA um extraordinarily clued in to the Timberwolves and what's going on there. I want to be very clear. He has not outright reported anything regarding Carl Anthony Towns, but he had a piece that came out this morning in regards to them resigning Nas Reed last night. And 
read through the entire piece, long, long piece. Strongly recommend anyone with an athletic subscription to go go read. And if you don't have an athletic subscription, you should have one. They they run like dollar a month deals all the time. Um, that piece, as I read it, as I read it, struck me as this is a team that certainly is not shopping cat. And at this point, maybe not would have to be blown away by an offer for Carl Anthony Towns, but like feel like they're getting 90 cents on the dollar at least right now. Because it doesn't feel it doesn't seem like they feel like they got a representative sample size last season. And like I don't know the cat's value has ever been lower. Could you argue that he's easier to trade now because the his extension kicks in next July 1st? Absolutely. Doesn't mean he's impossible to trade in a year. At the very least, like if he if they go out and they look better and he looks better, like he'll certainly be easier to trade than he is right now because he'll just be worth a lot more. Or he'll he'll get a lot back in return. Uh, because the contract's not changing in a year. It goes up, but it's the same contract, you know, if that makes sense. All that being said, I, I don't I don't think they're in the back of my mind, he's always been the most likely star that ends up here because of all the obvious reasons. CAA, Kentucky. Um I don't I do think the Tibbs cat stuff in terms of like cat never wants to play for Tibbs again, Tibbs never wants to coach cat again. I think all that stuff's been overblown. And most I also just think Tibbs he's like even though he's coached Cat before and it didn't really work, I think he's like any coach. He's always going to believe that he's going to have the answer. Um, and you want to talk about Tibbs being stubborn? You know? So, do, I, I, I know I'm dancing around. I haven't actually answered your question. If they traded for Cat to play the five and they kept Randall here, then almost without question, RJ would be going out in that deal. Um, so then you'd have. Yeah, uh, Brunson, Grimes, Randall, and Cat, which, I mean, my God, defensively. So at that point, do I think that they would try to target a big-time defense first wing to play the three? Yeah, absolutely. The problem is, almost without question, if you're trading for Cat, and you're tra- and you're training for OJ and Obi, that's it. That you're those that's all your assets. You've traded all of your firsts between those two deals, and you've traded um, in some combination of those two deals. Certainly, two of RJ quickly and Grimes. I suspect it would be RJ and quickly. Um, you know, and like Obi or you know whatever else. So, but like you're you're basically you get you get to keep one of the kids, and I think it'd be Grimes. You know, and if you want to say deuce too, uh, you know, is that a title team? I mean, you're you're going headfirst into the tax to say nothing of probably maybe the second apron in a couple of years. So you better goddamn well hope that's a title team. Is that their finish line? Are they comfortable with that being their finish line? The Knicks, I mean, not to say you couldn't make another move. Not to say you couldn't flip Randall at some point down the line. You know, or OG at some point down the line, or whoever else someplace. I mean, you, you know, never say never. There's always moves to be made, but like that's as all in as this. I can imagine this team going this summer. Um, I don't see it. Um, but again, in your theoretical example, do I think that's 
would they look to shore up defense elsewhere at a prominent starting lineup position if they went out and got Cat to play with Randall? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, oh, here we go. This lets you know about everything. It lets you know everything you need to know about where the Phoenix Suns are at. Uh, Phoenix Suns will host free agent workout on Wednesday featuring notables Jabari Parker and Stanley Johnson. Okay, then. JG, what's going on, JG? After listening to the recent pod, the more and more I think Levine is the best move, meaning bye-bye to RJ. Say hello to DiVincenzo through free agency. Can we get Bay for Obi and uh, be the Nova Knicks, LOL? Uh, I think the the Hawks seem to be wanting to move around other salaries so they can extend Bay. Um it would seem very, very. I know that's like you're, you're asking that kind of facetiously. It would seem strange for a team that has a guy entering his last year of his rookie contract that they seem to really like and it seems to fits in to fit in there. I'm talking about Bay for that team to swap that guy for a guy in Obi who's kind of like a lesser version of the guy they already have and they're paying twenty five million dollars a year to who they can't wait to get rid of. Um, in, in John Collins. So I, I don't know if I see that as far as Levine. Um, is he the best move? I mean, we went through four moves. We went through four names today or on today's pod. Uh, Towns. Uh, Paul George, Levine and Zion. I Zion's not Zion's not, not happening. That's, that's not a realistic possibility. Um, <clears throat> More more news. Pistons plan to make a aggressive push for Cam Johnson. Talk, possibly at hundred million dollar range. Wow. Um, it's funny. It's like I remember when the, the remember the auto porter the auto porter offer sheet that was a hundred, and it seemed crazy. It was crazy at the time, but it was like not. It was crazy, but it was like okay, you get you kind of got it. And now we're like so many years past that. The cap is so much higher. And somehow Cam Johnson seems like for $100 million, maybe seems maybe even crazier. But he's a good player. Um, anyway, on the Levine thing, yes. But, 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 but Diane's not happening. Um, Levine or, or Paul George at the same price, I find to be an interesting discussion. Which I, is... Right off the bat, a faulty premise because I don't think that they would go for the same price point. I think Levine would cost more, and I think if I have a funny feeling, if they ever did a George trade, they would wind up giving up less than people might imagine that they would give up. At, well, at the same time, giving up more than people what people would want them to give up. Levine, I look. Knowing how this front office operates and knowing how this organization, how much they seem to value I, like <laughs> I don't even know how to put this it, it, I, I, I can't I, all I could think of is like a fast and the furious joke. It's like I don't have friends, I have family. like I think that's how like Leon and to a larger extent Wes run the Knicks, you know. And you're either in or you're out. And like to bring in a clutch guy where there's going to potentially be some, some acrimony behind the scenes there. I, I, ju- I don't, 
I don't know if I see it, but you know, we'll see. See what happens. Crazier shit, right? Dylan Kitts, what's going on, Dylan? John, what about the idea of trading the Detroit pick and Toppin to back to Detroit for Isaiah Stewart? Save some money, uh, get a tips type guy uh, for his slot. So, to, like to me, this is a question about positional. I put put aside put, put aside the price for a second. I think trading a protect a, a first round pick, even to protect the first round pick like this. Because if I, I'll look it up. I think the Detroit pick eventually gets down to top ten protections. If it's not top ten, it's definitely top twelve, um, and that's like three or three years out. I think so. Like I, I think there's a pretty good chance that pick conveys, and you know conveys maybe somewhere in the middle of the first round. So am I going to want to trade a pick in the middle of the first round and Obi Toppin, who may have some value still for Isaiah Stewart. I don't think Isaiah Stewart has shown that he's anywhere near that level of player that he would, he would warrant that, that sort of outlay in, in assets. So that would be a no for me, but for me, that's just more of a question about like positionality in the NBA and versatility right now. And I, to me, like I know the NBA has changed a lot in recent years. To me, it's still more you want guys that could play down a position as opposed to guys who could play up a position. Um, I think I phrased that poorly. Let me just say what the hell I mean. Um, so, like, if you're trading for Isaiah Stewart, I think you're trading for Isaiah Stewart as a guy who. Like, sorry, Isaiah Stewart's a five. I think if you were going to give out a significant outlay, like with what you're talking about, or protect the first round pick and Obi Toppin for a backup four or a guy who's going to play your backup four, I think you're going to want to do it for a guy who is on the surface a backup four, but he can play backup five as opposed to a guy who is clearly best suited to be a backup five and like could give you minutes at the backup four because the Knicks already have their centers. And like Isaiah Stewart is, I think best suited as a five again, can he play some backup four? Yeah, he can play some backup four, but I don't think that's where you're getting the most value for him. I think you're getting the most value for him as a backup five. And if you're trading for him and he's going to be, Pretty much exclusively your backup five, four, not five, four. Um, I, yeah, I just, I just don't see the value there. Um, yeah, but that's me. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. 
weeks. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Junon, what's going on, Junon? Thoughts on the Tobias Harris drama going on in Philly. Um, also, I'm fascinated by Christian Wood. You know who's not fascinated by Christian Wood? The Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> that was a funny part of the, the windy pod from today. Um, I, I don't want him anywhere near the Knicks, but how could a player so talented and awful be so talented and awful at the same time? Who brings him in? I, I, it's such a great question. And thank you for the gener- generous contribution, Junon. You, you've always so kind. And it doesn't matter. I do these things during the day, do them seven o'clock at night, do them at two in the morning, and, and you find a way to hop on. It really does. Thank you. Uh, means a lot. Wood is a fascinating player. And I just wonder has he worn out his welcome at one too many places at this point? to feel like for a team to feel like he's a worthy investment. Like the Mavs essentially traded for him on a one year deal and they don't want him back. So if you're another team, like who's, are you giving him multiple guaranteed years? I mean, if anything, maybe somebody gives him a big one plus one where the second year is a team option or a very small guarantee. But like, if you're a team that's trying to win the championship, do you want that guy? And by the way, here that's the other part of it, right? All the teams that are trying to win a championship, they don't have the money to pay that guy. So you're talking about, okay, well, where's your championship contender that's pulling off a signing trade for that dude? Which would mean, ostensibly, you're giving up something valuable to go back to Dallas because Dallas is accommodating the signing trade. Um, I mean, I don't know. And if you're a team that's like building from the ground up, is that the dude you want to bring in? So you're left with like, who, who's, I don't know who's bringing them in. Like the Charlotte want them. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, it'd be, it's, it sounds crazy to say, but maybe he's a guy that like, just sitting there, just sitting there, just sitting there. And then you find out on day nine or day 10 of free agency, like Christian Wood signs for the vet one year vet minimum in, and it's, it's some contender that's like, huh, maybe he actually plays for them. Maybe he actually sees minutes for them. Maybe he rehabs his value, you know, kind of like what Dennis Schroeder ended up doing um, in Boston. After he turned down, what was it, four for 80 million? Like he ended up signing one year vet minimum or whatever it was. It might have been like the, the buyout. It's some small number. And then he went back and, you know, he may get paid. The, uh, he, he's rehabbed his value a little bit. Um, the Tobias Harris drama going on in Philly. Look, I think Tobias Harris is a good player. What's, what's tough about it is it's like, it's clearly he's too good to be a four. 
He gets paid too much to be a four. He doesn't want to be a four. I mean, when I say a four, I mean fourth guy on the totem pole. So then it's like, okay, where where is he going to be a third banana where that works? I could see him being a really successful third banana somewhere. Um, do I have any thoughts on it? I not really. Other than that, Daryl Morey stared down Ben Simmons. Guy who brought the fucking cell phone out onto the practice court. And that got into all kinds of really un- un- unpleasantness with fines and all this other, you know, nonsense. Are they willing? Like, I think they'd be willing to stare down Tobias Harris and be like, look, dude, you're on an expiring contract. Come show up to camp. We'll try to find a new home for you if we can. But if there's not a deal that we like, we're not going to make it. That's how I see it unfolding. But because the other the, the other side of the coin is always like, okay, if you're Philly and you're trying to win a championship, you're not going to sell low on the guy. So who's the team ponying up real stuff for Tobias Harris on an expiring 30 whatever million dollar contract? And I don't... Unless it's some team that just has like I I don't know are the Kings the Kings just open up all this cap space if they if they can't do anything that they thought they were going to be able to do with their cap space do they just trade a lesser piece and like a future first to bring in Tobias Harris and it's a piece that Philly feels like you know what at the end of the day he could do for us what Tobias did for us and we just kind of rejigger our rotation like I, I don't know I don't I don't know if I see a trade Thanks, Juan. I appreciate you as always, man. Uh, Kevin, what's going on? Kevin Danishevsky coming out with my article where my thesis, oh boy, Kevin Danishevsky and thesis in the same sentence is that's just scary stuff. Scary stuff. Uh, my thesis is the only thing the Knicks need to do is get rid of one of RJ and Randall. Any way to flip either for picks and salary? Sure, there's a way to flip either for picks and salary. It's not a, it's not a matter of whether or not they could. It's a matter of whether or not they would, and I guess to a certain extent, whether or not they should. Um, that's actually a, that's a fun thought exercise. And again, it's it's I I feel like there's enough to write about and talk about that it's not a thought exercise that I would probably do. Maybe if I didn't have a wife and kids and I was just sitting home all day with my laptop thinking of shit to write, I I would do this. But given that time is time is limited. Um, I don't think I would do this, but the, the thought exercise would be this. Go through every team in the NBA and think about if you're if the if you all you're doing it, your goal is to unload RJ or Julius for un, either unwanted salary or like like not good salary, you know, like salary that's like it's fine, you know, it's like you know, Duncan Robinson. Well, that's bad salary, but like, you know, pretends that's also bad salary. The problem is there's not a whole lot of there's like there's there's very little bad salary. And there's not even a whole lot of like neutral salary out there. Everything's either like bad salary and there's not a lot of that left or it's like salary that's like at least neutral. And then if it's neutral salary, you're going to want to like get get something back. So like the very premise of your question is kind of is kind of tough, but even you know, to make it more fun, you could even do it with some of the cap space teams. You could include some of the cap space teams, like the Spurs. Like, how many picks would the Spurs give up for RJ? And what picks would those be? Would they give up picks alone, you know, for Julius Randle? And if you want to have, you know, like Doug McDermott, 
slightly worse than neutral salary, I guess, uh, coming back on one of those deals. Like again, but go through that thought exercise with every NBA team and find a team who would give up the most for Randall, who would give up the most for RJ, just specifically that type of deal that you're talking about. And then um, see which of those would like, what's the highest return for either player. And then ask yourself, would the Knicks do either of those? My guess is you'd get the highest return for RJ. I don't know what the team is though. Like what's, what's the team that's given like the premium, premium, like blue chip. Like what's the best pick you're getting from another team for RJ Barrett? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Uh, David Crockett, my man. What's going on, David? What's up, Mac? Got to give a little late love to the whole KFS crew for their work so far this offseason. Hashtag much love. Hashtag KFS. Um, David Crockett, you're my longtime. I mean, I don't know who the Mount Rushmore is of uh, of people that I get to interact with on social media, but you're on it because you never bring any nonsense. It's always high level stuff. And if it's not a high level basketball thought, it's something like this where you're just being super kind. So, um, thank you, man. Hope the summer's going well for you so far. I don't know if your if uh, your your academic year is is over, but if if so, happy summer. Um. And then uh, Eduardo Nunez. Ideas on the Knicks pursuing DeJounte Murray. Um, and then D. Mitch. I'm assuming he means Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I, I don't think Donovan Mitchell trade's happening this summer. Uh, DeJounte Murray is someone that has been asked about. Um, all indications are that Atlanta is trying to move other salary to try to keep Murray, I keep going back to what they gave up to get him. What they're going to need to feel good about any trade that sends him out. And just their like, like what are their organizational prerogatives? Their organizational prerogatives are very, very, very clearly to win. They have Trey Young. They have a bunch of like guys who, again, the pieces don't match and like they're there's a talent gap between them and being like a real contender but like there's something going on there they're they're certainly not going to pivot into any kind of a tank so they're if they're trading DeJounte Murray they are trying to trade DeJounte Murray to make their team better or like at the very least not worse while saving themselves some money well the Knicks can't save them any money because the Knicks can't other than like a few million dollars or something, depending. Actually, they don't even have the salaries that up to do that. And then if you're the Knicks and you're like, let's say you could find a trade where you're you're sending stuff that would make Atlanta happy with Dejounte Murray coming back to the Knicks. You got to ask yourself, okay, well, why is why is that? Why are the Knicks doing that? One, I don't think the like. Well, let me save that for a second. One. Um, he's a flight risk because he's not going to extend even 140% of his current number. He's not signing for that. He's going to want more than that. He's going to take it to free agency. He will absolutely be a flight risk. Um, And there's been talk about him wanting to go to end up in LA for a while now. That's number one. And number two, I don't, I just like, I don't see it. I don't see the fit. I don't see the fit with, I know he could, I obviously could defend, but I think the whole value of having DeJounte Murray is he, he is a guy who has more than enough skill and talent to be a real point guard. You know, 
not saying best player on a championship team. I'm not even saying second best player on a championship team, but like you want to put that dude next to whether it's a big time wing and like a really skilled center or like two big time wings, whatever. But like he can run the show. You got to surround him with a lot of shooting. The Knicks don't have that shooting like his, but his skill is like, or his biggest thing he brings to the table. He is, he can have the ball a lot and he needs the ball a lot because he's not a great shooter. You know, um, and he brings you defense that you want to maximize the value of that defense um, at the point guard position. That's the most, that's the value. So I don't, I know they just put him with Trey Young. You know, I, I don't, I never saw that as being the best way to maximize his value. I don't see this maximizing his value being next to Jalen Brunson, but, you know, that's just me. All right. That's it. This flew by, man. Wow. Okay. Um, I got to run. You guys got to run. Get back to whatever you're doing in the middle of the day. I'll be back. Uh, oh, wait. No, we got one more. Hold on. Paul DeSantis. What's going on, Paul? Great start to the KFS offseason. If they did sign Dante DiVincenzo, how does he fit into the rotation? You and JC sort of touched on that, but who gets moved? Thanks. Very simply, the part of the problem is I don't see an obvious thing unless, an obvious by the rotation, unless it's a significant consolidation trade where you're sending two of your big time rotation players, young rotation players out and bringing back some kind of star or star ish player. It's got to be either that or it's Obi going out and you're just having a very small backup or a small ish backup unit. That's really. So either Obi goes out or like two other rotation players go out and a star comes back. That's the only, those are the only possibilities I see. Okay. Now we're done. Um, thanks for tuning in to uh, day one of uh, KFS lunch break during free agency week. We'll be back tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel um, noon. And then also don't forget live, live shows every night this week. Check out those. And then big, uh, the big show me and Friday. Uh, me and me and Friday, boy, I haven't had enough coffee yet today. Me and Jeremy on Friday at 5 p.m. sharp. And tonight, yes, tonight, Benji and DJ together. Benji Ritholtz, DJ Zulo at 9 p.m. Be here, be square. We will talk to you later. Peace out. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. 
Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.